facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back and welcome to 2024. It's January the 3rd, 2024. It's a new year. It's a new you. It's a new me. We're, we're constantly changing inside and out, whether we like it or not. Hopefully it's for the better. And I'm looking forward to a great new year with you on The Kale Clark Show. Excited to be back. First live show of the new year. Over the past few days, we've been counting down our most popular episodes of 2023. But now it's time to start fresh once again. I got I to gotta remember what I'm doing here. I got to remember what all these buttons do on my equipment. And I've got to remember, can I remember the phone number? Yes, I can. Here's the number for you to call right now to talk to me for free on The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. It'll always be free, 888 Hey, I've got an interesting listener question for you, actually. So you're going to want to grab a line right now and get in on the conversation. We're going to be talking about this in just a few minutes. But the conversation du jour over Twitter, which is kind of the, the big public square of the world online. Catholic Twitter has been all ablaze with a lot of conversation about kids at mass, specifically babies, toddlers. They do make noise. They do cause a little bit of, distru- of disruption. Some people don't want them there, ogres. No, no, I, I, I don't want to read anything into this, read motives into this. But there's been a huge debate over Twitter about this and some people have had some really negative experiences with, with bringing their kids to Mass and parishioners kind of tutting them, if you will. And has this happened to you? What, what's your take on this? Should kids be seen and not heard at Mass? Give me a call, 888 I'm going to let you know what people are saying about this. But I want to start off with, with our Lord, of course. It is the year of our Lord, 2024. And I thought it'd be good to start with today's feast day which is the optional memorial, although it was a big part of the, the old Roman calendar. This is, of course, the holy name of Jesus. It's a great, great feast day. And the name of our Lord has been blasphemed. It's been used as a curse word, dragged through the mud. You know it. I know it. We've got to do the best that we can to give glory to the name of Jesus Christ. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 9149. So if you've been to Mass today, maybe you have already, there are sort of optional readings for this feast. So you might have got a different set of readings for uh, one of the Christmas days. And of course, we are still in the season of Christmas, folks. It's the 12 days of Christmas. And so I want to say Merry Christmas to you. It's still Christmas. Let's celebrate and keep the feast. Let's keep partying on. And uh, let's not forget that. But This Holy Name of Jesus Feast starts off with a great reading. This is a beautiful reading from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. And, of course, this contains the famous, what they call, what scholars call the Carmen Christi, the Song of Christ. And here's what St. Paul writes. He says, Brothers and sisters, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any solace in love, any participation in the Spirit, any compassion and mercy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. Do nothing out of selfishness or out of vainglory. Rather, 
humbly regard others as more important than yourselves, each looking out not for his own interests, but also everyone for those of others. Have among yourselves the same attitude that is also yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As just a beautiful reading from chapter 2, of St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. And the reason why scholars call it the Carmen Christi or the Song of Christ, because these words actually might have been a quotation from an early hymn, an early Catholic hymn that St. Paul and others may have sang at Mass. This idea that Christ descended into greatness, if you will. He left heaven, came to earth, not only took on a human body at the incarnation, but he suffered the ignominious death on the cross. And God then raises him up once again through the resurrection and ascension to heaven. And one day, every knee will bend, every tongue will confess the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. And that's what today's feast day is all about, the feast of the holy name of Jesus. And you know that somebody's name is incredibly important. And I always find it interesting, and I don't know if you'd agree with me, but I find it interesting how people sometimes they, they just when you meet somebody, you get to know them. It's, it's, it's amazing how often people live up to their name. They just seem like they should have that name. And, and sometimes when, when babies come out of the womb, parents have a name picked out. and They're like, no, no, he's not a Timmy. He's a Jonathan or whatever. They'll change the name. But in the ancient world, in the biblical text, names are very, very important as well. And this goes all the way back to the very beginning of Scripture. And it's true also with, with the name of God, not only the name of God, the Son, Jesus, but think about Yahweh. Think about how God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush, Yahweh, I am, this, this mysterious name. It's so hard to quantify. It's so hard to pin down, of course, because God is mysterious and infinite. I am that I am. I am who I am. I will be what I will be, whatever you want to say. And this this incredible reverence for the name of God. And, and to this day, pious Jews do not spell out the name of God. Even when they're writing in English, they'll put G and then sort of a, an underscore and then a D because they don't want to write out even the, the ineffable name of God. And so the, the highest respect for God's name. And on the Faith Explained show uh, that I also host on Relevant Radio each day, 1230 Central, and of course, catch the podcast anytime, we're doing the Our Father series. And this is the greatest prayer of all time, given to us by the greatest prayer of all time, as Peter Crave likes to say, Jesus himself. This is the model prayer, the Our Father. It's not just a vocal prayer that we pray when we do the rosary and other times. It's also a model, really, for all prayer. And so I hope that you'll join me for that series. It's also a great way to kick off 2024. Let's get back to basics, folks. Let's get back to 
the basics of our faith and, and really start at the start. It's a, it's a great way to just sort of renew these things, refresh ourselves. So check out that that podcast series on the Relevant Radio app. And of course, that great invocation of the name of God in the Our Father, hallowed be or holy be thy name, the name of God. We got to start with the name of God, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Trinity, but also people all throughout salvation history. It's amazing how any, anybody who really had a big time role in salvation history and God's dealings with the world, it's amazing how often God himself names that person. Well, think about Adam, right? And what, what is the, the first man? We know that Jesus, of course, is the second Adam. He succeeds in every way that Adam failed in the garden. But the name Adam, it, it's really the Hebrew word Adamah, which, which essentially means from the ground or out of the ground. It, connotations of Adam being formed from the dust of the earth. And then, of course, there is Eve. There is, there is woman, and, and Adam names her Eve. And she, her name really means Eve, the mother of all the living. And it's interesting, so interesting that in John's gospel, and I just, I just love this. I just love this. It's a bit of a sidebar, but John's gospel, it is said that John descended from a high priestly family, and he knows the scriptures of Israel so well. And all the comparisons between the gospel of John and the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. Well, in John's gospel, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then he goes on to say, John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. And then how Mary also appears as the second Eve. If Jesus is the second Adam, Mary is the second Eve. And the church fathers drew this connotation. St. Justin Martyr, who was kind of in that line of teaching of John the Apostle, the Johannine school, if you will, how he, he, he kind of gets this, Mary as the new Eve. And, and that's why Mary is never called by her name in John's gospel. She is called woman. That's why Jesus says, woman, here's your son. Woman, it is not my hour yet, the wedding feast at Cana. He's not being rude to his mom. She is the new woman, the new Eve, the mother of all the now spiritual living, spiritually living in Christ. So there's Adam, there's Eve, there's, of course, Abraham, whose name used to be of course, Abram, which means father. But that name was changed by God to Abraham, the father of many nations, father of a multitude. And of course, there is Peter, Simon, of course, Simon, son of Jonah, Simon Bar-Jonah becomes Peter the Rock. And, and it, it, people, and again, a bit of a, an apologetic note, there's so many non-Catholics who say, no, 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 Jesus is the rock. Peter's just a, the Petros in Greek simply means a small stone like a pebble. Petra is a big rock. I mean, Jesus is the rock. Well, there's a reason for that, okay? When in Matthew's gospel, in the Greek version of Matthew's gospel, Petros is a, is a masculine. He, Petra, the big rock, it's a feminine noun, so he has to change it to a masculine to describe Peter. That's why it's Petros. It's nothing to do with a little pebble. But that all goes away. In the Aramaic, don't don't forget that Jesus and his disciples spoke Aramaic. That was their street language. That's how they talked to one another. And in Aramaic, it's kefa, kefa, the rock. There's just one word for rock. So there's no confusion there. Peter is the rock. And yeah, of course, elsewhere in Scripture, God is referred to as a rock. And you could say Peter shares in Jesus's rockiness, if you will. He's a chip off the old rock. He he gives him this gift of faith. And that's what, what he, he gives to us as well. We need the faith of Peter. 
We need the love of John, the beloved disciple. His gospel is all about love. How, how God, how Jesus transforms him. He, he goes from being one of the sons of thunder. It has nothing to do with his gastrointestinal habits. It's, it's, it, should we call down thunder and lightning on this village because they projected us? No, no, John, just calm down a little bit. And he becomes known as the apostle of love. He's, he's all about love. A new commandment I give to you, love one another. John is so big on this commandment of Jesus. And so we need the faith of Peter. We need the love of John. And we also need the audacity and the daring of St. Paul. We need, we need all of that in 2024 as we go into a new year. So all of these people were named by God because of their their great role. Because here's the other thing about a name. A name has to do with your identity and your mission in the Bible. And, And guess what? Of course, God the Father instructs Mary and of course, St. Joseph as well in Matthew's gospel to give the, the child Messiah the name Jesus. This is not an accident. There's a reason for this because his name is also synonymous with his mission. And what, what did Gabriel, the archangel Gabriel, say to Mary at the Annunciation? You shall call his name Jesus. And we know that the name Jesus in Hebrew is Joshua. Joshua means God saves. So that, that's essentially what his name means. And his name is his mission, God saves. He is the Savior, El Salvador, if you will. This is his mission. His mission is his name, God saves. And he's doing it in and through the person of Jesus. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 914 9149. It's interesting that, of course, Mary is given this, this instruction from Gabriel about what to name the child, but also to St. Joseph in, in Matthew's Gospel. He, he gets, he gets the, the added bonus because the angel, we don't know if it's the same angel, but the angel says to Joseph, You shall call his name Jesus. Why? He gives him the why. For he shall save his people from their sins. So, Whenever we say the name of Jesus, and sometimes it's traditional, you see this sometimes at Mass, depending on where you go, that during a reading or, or during the liturgy, when the name of Jesus is mentioned, heads are bowed. Heads are bowed. Why? Because of the sacredness of the holy name. Because he's given us the greatest gift that we could possibly receive. We can't earn it. We can't do it for ourselves. Salvation. And so we, we need to pay respect to the name of Jesus. And I just want to give you this little beautiful little uh, quote from St. Bernard. And St. Bernard said this about, about the name of Jesus. This is from one of his sort of catechetical lectures, if you will. St. Bernard said, quote, Not in vain does the Holy Spirit compare the name of the bridegroom with oil. When he makes the bride say to the bridegroom, Your name is oil poured out. There's a reference to the famous Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, the Bridegroom and the Bride. Your name is as oil poured out, for oil gives light, nourishment, and ointment. It is light, it is food, it is medicine. And that's what that's what oil does for us, right? It's light, it's food, and medicine. And St. Bernard says all of this applies to the divine bridegroom, Jesus. Did not God, in the light of this name, Call us to a wonderful light. St. Paul says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And of course, that's what oil does. It can fire up a lamp. And is your life lighting up the path for others to Jesus Christ? Is your life a light that other people can find their way out of the darkness? Now, the name of Jesus is also food. 
Uh, yeah, lately I've been doing a lot of cooking with olive oil. They say it's 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 very healthy for you. Well, the name of Jesus is like oil in the sense of being food. St. Bernard says, are you not often strengthened when you meditate on the name of Jesus? Just, just as when we take food, we feel better, we're strengthened, we get energy, we get kilojoules, we get power from the food that we eat. And that's obviously true when it comes to the Eucharist. We get spiritual power from the Eucharist, that the very power of God, God himself is their body, blood, soul, and divinity. But even just pronouncing the name of Jesus, you've got a problem, you've got a temptation, you've got a worry, you're dealing with envy, you're dealing with vainglory, all the stuff St. Paul says, you got to get rid of that stuff. Comparing yourself to others, you want to be a big deal. You've got to get rid of that because the only big deal is Jesus Christ. And we are here to bring the message of Christ to the world through the media, Relevant Radio. That's why we do this. And so when we meditate simply on the name of Jesus and call out to him and, and, and just say, Jesus, I need your help. We're strengthened as if we've just had the best meal of our life. And so St. Bernard says, every kind of food is dry if it's not seasoned with salt. And the same is true with spiritual food. We need to season it with this salt, the name of Jesus. Jesus, the name of Jesus is honey to the mouth, a sweet song to the ear, a joyful delight to the heart. He is also medicine, just like oil is medicine as well. In the ancient world, olive oil was very much used for medicinal purposes. Yet, you want to ask yourself this question. Is someone sad among you? Is someone spiritually ill? Well, let let Jesus come into his heart. And from there, St. Bernard says, from the heart, let Jesus leap up to his lips. Let him pronounce the name of Jesus. Let her pronounce the name of Jesus. And behold, as the light of his name arises, all clouds pass and cheerfulness returns. So this, this powerful name of Jesus is so crucial. And when you, when you read the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3, chapter 4, Peter uh, finds this crippled man, and he's got his cup out, and he's begging, give me a few coins. And, and Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. And so that name of Jesus has power. And, and we can really... Uh, rise and walk spiritually. And yeah, sometimes we even get great, great, incredible healings that are supernatural. But we also need the inner person to be healed. We need to to continue our walk following our Lord in this year and, and really give praise to him. So this is a great way to start the year with this feast of the holy name of Jesus. We're going to take a quick break right now on the Kale Clark Show, but we'll be right back with your phone calls. I want to get your take on this big controversy that erupted on New Year's Eve on Catholic Twitter about kids at Mass. Be right back. This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the program. So good to have you with me. It's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149 is the number to call to talk to me for free. 888-914-9149. All right, well, listen, we, we've got a great question for you, and here it is. You can call in right now, 888-914-9149. Have you ever had an experience where somebody's tried to shame you for having kids who are maybe a little bit too loud, maybe a little bit too... 
especially with boys, I find it's it's really hard to. If you've ever gone to a mass at an all boys school, these guys cannot sit still. I mean, it's just just part of who they are. They're just moving. They've got energy. Um, has that been a problem for people around you, or maybe you have a problem? Uh, let me know. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine and. Give us a call. Let us know. 888-914-9149. All right. So we'll, we'll get to this story. And we are back. And I don't know if you can hear me. We may have had some technical difficulties, but welcome back to the Kale Clark Show. I think we are back on air right now. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. And you're definitely going to want to call and get in on this particular story. And this was a tweet storm that really was kind of all over the place on social media this past weekend really started on New Year's Eve about kids at mass, specifically babies, toddlers. They do make noise. They are little humans and they may not have all the social skills that adults have. And some people aren't that happy about their presence at mass. Has this ever happened to you? If you were a, a parent of a large family, if you grew up in a large family, was this ever a thing uh, where maybe your parents were shamed uh, for bringing you to mass? Maybe you weren't as quiet as you as people thought you should have been. But maybe there, there's another side to this story, too. Are, are parents ever maybe responsible for um, some of the excess uh, that may occur? I, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but give me a call, 888-914-9149. So here are a couple of uh, people on Twitter that, that mentioned this. One of them is Haley Carrots, and Haley Carrots is not her real name. Uh, her real name is Haley Stewart, uh, but she's an author, a Catholic author, and she does have red hair, as you might have surmised. Uh, you can look her up on Twitter at Haley Carrots. And she wrote a book called, uh, it was, let me just find this for you. It's, it's a book called Jane Austen's Genius Guide to Life. I actually bought it from my wife, Trish. Trish, you got to read this book. I know it's on your pile of books to read. Uh, she's a big Jane, Jane Austen fan, so I thought that she might like this. So uh, I can't wait to get some feedback on that. Maybe you've read the book. But at any rate, Haley Stewart uh, on New Year's Eve posted this particular tweet and she said this quote let's leave should babies and toddlers be in mass let's leave that discourse back in 2023 of course they should now of course Haley Stewart is a wife and a mom she says of course they should be at mass parents bring your little ones your job is to teach them to love the mass not to please unreasonable people who think they are entitled to a distraction-free mass. And she kind of followed this up with another tweet, and she's kind of quoting an imaginary opponent, if you will. But parents should teach their children to behave. Sure, sure. They do that by bringing them to mass and helping them practice. If it's not your kid, it's not your business to reprimand them. It's your job to welcome them. Full stop. Okay, so uh, she got a lot of support. Uh, on Twitter for this tweet, lots of comments, but there was a little bit of a pushback. Uh, there's a guy named Gregory Caridi, who was actually the chancellor for the Diocese of, of Dallas. And he kind of had a, a bit of a contrary take on this. He said, well, hang on here. He said, an individual has a duty to his or her children and to those around them, to their neighbors. It's not one or the other, end of quote. And after that, folks, it was on, you know, fighting out of the blue quarter. All right. So so th there's a bit of back and forth that happened here. So Haley Stewart said back to him, absolutely. But parents do not have a duty to meet unreasonable expectations of silence and stillness 
that are impossible for infants and young toddlers or children with special needs. Children are simply distracting and yet should be welcomed in the church. So lots of takes on this. And I'm sure that you guys have your takes on this as well. 888 We're going to go to the phones in, in just a second here. But uh, I do want to read a couple of couple of uh, tweet responses to this. Um, one uh, commenter said, quote, the beautiful church where my family attended mass had a nursery room to the side of the sanctuary with big windows and speakers. So the mass was heard and seen. Does anybody remember this? The crying room? I, I haven't seen one of these in a long, long time. But when I was a kid, when I was a toddler, the, the parish that I grew up in, we had one. There was a big glass room, just like this guy's talking about. And the mass was piped in by speakers and moms could, you know, feed babies and, you know, see the mass, see what's going on there. And kids could kind of, if they were having a tantrum or whatever, that's where they, that's one place to go. And so I don't know, is that, is that maybe a, a hybrid solution? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Some would say no. Some would say, they, no, they've got to be in the congregation. This is life. And we've got to just understand that this is, this is family life in the church. Other people say, even at their worst, I love babies and toddlers being there. It tells me my parish is alive. And it's true. People do say this. This is a, a common phrase that maybe you've heard quoted. If the church ain't crying, she's dying. If the church ain't crying, she's dying. There, there needs to be families. There needs to be a new life. Uh, one priest, Father Mark, uh, wrote, especially on the solemnity of the Holy Family, that was kind of the feast day in question at the time. We should be celebrating children at Mass and those who bring them. Thanks to parents and grandparents, siblings, other relations for the joyful noise. Happy Christmas season. All right. So it, it's, it's kind of an interesting take. We, we, we do know that, that we need more Catholics, that, that the church is, is dying in numbers. It's very true in, in certain areas of the United States and around the world. We need more people in the churches, and, and we really can't have that. There's really two ways to become a Catholic. You're either born into it or you're a convert. And, and becoming a convert or a revert to the faith, that, that's not an easy journey for some. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a long and winding road, uh, to quote uh, the Beatles, if you will. Uh, shout out to Patrick Madrid there. But what do you guys think about this? 888 Let's go to Juanita on line two in New Mexico. Hello, Juanita. Hello. Hi. I just have a comment about that. You know, I'm a member of the Byzantine Catholic Church. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, and, you know, since the babies, they, they get their uh, sacraments, you know, all their sacraments when they're baptized. And they just kind of, and because they're, they go to church all the time and stuff, even the, the babies that aren't even walking yet, they know, even though they cry at times and stuff, but they know to, to kiss the Bible, and when they're little toddlers, they make the sign of the cross, and they toddle up to the, the front, you know, to get their sacraments. And, and um, I, I never see children misbehave, just, you know, babies sometimes cry and stuff. But when I, when I go to some parishes on the Roman Rite, I see kids, they, they have water bottles, and they have toys, and they have snacks, and <laughs> and it, 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 it's upsetting to me because I think that there's a way to teach your children reverence. You know, they don't have to be quiet all the time, but just as far as like just hanging out there, you know, it's not good, you know, for them just to not know what's going on, you know. 
You know, it's so interesting, Juanita, that you're saying this because you remember one of the Eastern rites, of course, a Byzantine Catholic Church, and and kids get their sacraments right at the beginning, right at the beginning, right when they're baptized. They get their first Eucharist as well. And, and that's an interesting thing. That's an interesting thing. Chrismation, uh, confirming them as, as, uh, as infants as well. That's another topic for another day, because I, I think I think there's some merit in that. Now, we, we don't generally do this in the Roman Rite, of course, but kind of they're, they're more spread out. And you can't say one is is not valid. They're both they're both valid means uh, of doing so. But d- does that make a difference? That's kind of an interesting take as well. But in terms of stuff going on with snacks, toys, all that sort of stuff, you know, I, I, I will say this, and hey, I am guilty as charged here, folks, and you're listening to The Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. Thank you, Wendy, for calling, for listening to the program in New Mexico. You can call in, too. What's your take on noisy kids, families at mass? Does it bother you? Do you think this, this is, hey, we, this is part of life. We, we, we have to have these kids here. How else are they going to learn other than to experience this? We've got to be very understanding and and understand that, that hey, they're kids. They're not, they're not fully mature yet. Uh, I'm guilty as charged here, by the way, because before I became a parent, I was, I, I got to admit, I was super judgmental uh, of parents and kids and why can't they be quiet? You know? I just don't get it. Why doesn't that parent stop their kid? They can't always stop their kid from, from making noise for many, many reasons. It, it might, there might be developmental issues with a child that you don't know about. You can't assume anything. You, you simply don't know what's going on with that child or with that family. And I can remember one time, this is super embarrassing, <laughs> friends of mine, and you, you guys know who you are. I got to even call you out, Josh and Lisa Canning. Love you guys. I gave a talk one time, and they got a big family. And one of their kids, he was a pretty young guy at the time. He was a toddler, Leo. And Leo was making some noise. I was trying to give a talk. And there, there were a bunch of university students there, and their family's there too. And I was like, I can hear you, Leo. How embarrassing. If he's a kid, of course he's going to make noise. And the funny thing is now that, that I'm a parent, that, that stuff doesn't bother me at all. I don't even hear it. I don't even hear it. And I would imagine uh, priests can do this as well um, at, at Mass. They just kind of block it out. They're giving their homily and... Um, and they can just kind of just kind of soldier on, and 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 I I I literally don't ever hear or consciously it it I, it doesn't register with me now when when kids make noise at mass and yeah and and I'm I'm fighting the battle too trying trying to keep my 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 daughter Michaela focused in on mass and um, not you know it, it's hard for for young kids to to listen to sometimes homilies and but but it's part of the deal right it's it's learning how to how to listen and, and, and participate in the same thing that everybody else is participating in. Um, not always easy. Easier said than done. Triple eight nine one four and nine one four nine. Tell me your story. What's happened to you, your family, how'd you deal with it? Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to Steve on line five in Norwalk, California. Hi Steve. Hey Steve, can you can you hear me? Hey, Steve, you're on the air. Hi, Steve. You're welcome yeah, to the program. Nice to finally talk to you and meet, and meet you over the phone. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Great to meet you as well, Steve. Yeah. Happy New Year. Well, uh, yeah, Happy New Year. Just, uh, you know, a, a quick comment and and, uh, and and also what you're talking about. But first of all, I just want to say that uh, uh, we're blessed to have you on Relevant Radio. I mean, you you have reached uh, uh, reached out a lot. Uh, I... I uh, refer you know relevant radio and i definitely 
Callum, that the tuning to your show because you've given me a lot of insight, especially when I get confused sometimes when I'm reading the scripture. So you are very knowledgeable. So uh, I'm glad that you're on the on the radio. Oh, Steve, thank thank you so much. God bless you. That that is super super encouraging to me, man. I really really appreciate that. And hey, I'm a fellow traveler on the journey. I get confused sometimes when I read scripture, and we're we're just trying to figure all this out together. Hey, I, I appreciate you so much, Steve. And uh, I always say Mark Twain uh, once uh, said these immortal words. He said he could go a whole month on one word of encouragement. I feel the same, and I appreciate you, Steve, calling in. All God's best to you in 2024. Steve in Norwalk, uh, Norwalk, California, who's listening to Relevant Radio out in the Golden State. Appreciate you, Steve. All right, let's go now to hey, our old friend Paul from Youngstown, Ohio. Hey, Paul, welcome back, and Happy New Year to you. Still waiting on Y2K, which is like 24 <laughs> years late. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. Wow. That, yeah. that was a huge letdown. Yeah, I, just, I, uh, I vote with the, uh, the Byzantine caller who said uh, uh, children should be at the liturgy. And once they've received their sacraments of initiation, they're considered uh, full members of the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it bothers people, they can either step out or... I'm sure in most cases, if the child is too disruptive, the parents will step out for a few moments with them. So it's really not an issue. Yeah, that, that, you know, that's, a good, that's a good point, Paul. And, and uh, for those listening uh, who might know Paul, he's a frequent caller, a good friend of the program, and he comes from an Orthodox background. And very similar, of course, to the Eastern Rites of the Catholic Church. Kids receive their, their sacraments of initiation when, they're, when they are, in fact, infants. And so they're, they're fully fledged, received sacraments. And, yeah, Paul mentioned also sometimes parents will just, you know, if a kid starts crying and gets kind of out of control, they'll just walk out and, you know, maybe go to the foyer, the vestibule for a little bit, come back in, not a big deal. That is certainly one way to, to deal with the issue as well. I think any reasonable person, if you can, if things get completely, you know, if a, if a child is screaming so loud you can't hear the the homily or anything else going on, usually that's what that's what happens, and everybody kind of understands that. But not everybody, not everybody. There are there's certainly those who uh, who push back. And one thing that uh, the original uh, tweeter that I mentioned, uh, Haley Stewart, said that, and I don't know exactly how many kids she has, but she said that she was coming into uh, mass one day with her family, and as they were kind of filing into the pew. <laughs> There was a woman in the pew behind them who said, like, she just basically said, tisk, tisk, uh, you know, these guys are going to ruin mass for us, essentially. It's like, oh, well, she apparently just smiled at her and said, God bless you, which is very restrained. And, and these things happen. How do you deal with it? Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to Sharon in Mesa, Arizona. Hi, Sharon. Hi, um, <clears throat> Kale. Um, I believe in taking children to church. I raised eight children. I took them to church all the time. And uh, if they were naughty, I took them out until they could behave themselves. And I see parents these days at church. Now we have a cry room. Mm-hmm. And the kids act up and cry and cry and disturb everybody around them. When we have this cry room where there's TVs in there and they could take the children in there and get them soothed down and calmed down and then maybe bring them back in after they're calmed down. They wouldn't miss anything by going into the cry room because they can hear the rest of the mass. In yeah. There. So that's my thoughts. Well, uh, Sharon, I was going to, I was about to ask what's on the TVs in there. Ho- hopefully it's the mass. <laughs> you know, hopefully they're not watching ESPN or something like that. But yeah, that the cry room, I, I haven't seen a lot of them. 
in, in recent years. Is that a solution? Is that a, a, a potential um, middle path, if you will? But um, hey, this is this is. I think it's part of life in the church. Another commenter on Twitter, Gabriel. Uh, in Texas said, a distraction-free Mass is a daily Mass. Or you can go at 7 a.m. on Sunday. <laughs> Probably not too many kids there at 7 a.m. on a Sunday. If you go to 11 a.m. on a Sunday, expect and embrace the madness. You've got to embrace the madness. You have to embrace the madness. And so, and, and of course, people are quoting uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, when Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Absolutely. That is, um, that's true. But, but there is a, you know, it doesn't mean there's a, there's a, there's a carte blanche here either. Um, Carrie Lockwood on Twitter said, I love babies. I had nine of my own, but there's a difference between baby noise and wailing so loud that no one can hear the priest who even has a microphone. That's when common courtesy should kick in and a baby should be taken outside the sanctuary to be calmed. End of quotes. So that was uh, that was her take on this. What's yours? Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Got to take a quick break right now on Relevant Radio on the Kale Clark Show, just for a couple moments. But we will be right back. But get in with your phone calls. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Be right back. Faith, facts, and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back to the program on this Wednesday. It is the 3rd of January, 2024. It's our first live show of the new year. So good to be with you. Give me a call right now, 888-914-9149. Here's what we're talking about. Should children be seen and not heard at Mass? That was the sort of big Twitter discourse over the holidays, over the last few days. And somebody else who weighed in on this, by the way, was a good friend of Relevant Radio, J.D. Flynn from The Pillar. He's the managing editor of The Pillar. And he and he said this on Twitter. He said, regarding the discourse, quote unquote, this is the thing that everybody's been talking about. Regarding the discourse, I've been going to Mass for 12 years with noisy, disabled kids who wander around, and I can count on one hand, the number of times anyone has said even a word to me. And if this has happened to you, I'm sorry, but I want to recognize the good that I've seen too. And he says, actually, I can't even count on one hand because while I'm sure it has happened to me, I I don't remember it. He has really kind of a beautiful anecdote here. He said, someday, one particular day, after after a particularly hard mass uh, with, with the kids, an old man came up to him put his hand on his shoulder and said, you're doing good, son. You're a good man. You're doing good. And he said, uh, J.D. Flynn said, that always makes me want to cry. And I thought, oh, that's just so amazing, right? That that word of encouragement, that can go a long way as well for parents who are struggling. What's your take on this? 888-914-9149. Let's go to Portland, Maine. Courtney in Portland. Welcome to the show. What's your take on this, Courtney? Hi, uh, good afternoon. Well, good afternoon. this is so timely. Our uh, pastor on Sunday during his homily mm-hmm. said, um, oh, I love to hear the babies. I wish there was more of them. We ha- And we go to the 8 o'clock Mass and, uh, Sunday morning, and mm-hmm. there's probably a half a dozen babies in there now, and then their toddler uh, brothers and <laughs> sisters and whatnot. But 
it is alive. And when you hear the babies, and then, of course, the parents are like, oi, and they're looking around, <laughs> and they're like, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, yeah, we love it. Yeah, I think I think that's that's so important to encourage the parents, Courtney, and, and thank you for calling from beautiful Portland, Maine. And it's true. What one priest said that whenever he hears a baby cry during his homily or something, it just makes him think of the infant Jesus, which is a, a beautiful image for the for this time of year. And maybe he disrupted things at the synagogue as an infant right now and again, but that's okay. That's okay. And appreciate that call, Courtney. God bless you. Let's go now to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Teresa is in Milwaukee. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Kale. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to make the comment, first of all, I'm the oldest of a family of nine children, so plenty of experience with crying kids (laughs) at Mass. (laughs) Um, But as we go to worship at Mass, we are going as the body of Christ. It's not Mm. just me and God. It's me and everyone. And God, and we don't just receive him in the Eucharist as the body of Christ, we receive him as his body in each other. And so I just wanted to put that out there as we consider, you know, like, yes, there's distraction, there's noise. And it's not just from kids sometimes, but That's a good point. we are there to worship together. So, Yeah, and, and Teresa, as, as, the, as the oldest of nine children, you, you probably had to calm down some of these younger children as well and kind of play the role of a, of a mom in some ways too, right? Sometimes I was in the choir a lot, but um, I definitely, you know, saw the chaos, <laughs> even <laughs> if I wasn't right there. And um, I think that's just part of the beauty of family life. I'm I'm a single person in my 30s now, so sometimes I get annoyed too, and I have to check myself and go, wait a second, they're just they're just being kids. You that's know? right. <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is, that's interesting, because even somebody from a big family, even even this could happen to you. You could say, oh, man, what's going on with these kids, you know? And, and it, it's good to remember that. And what, one thing that you said, Teresa, is so important, that the church is the family of God. It's the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ. And and and, and what we do at Mass is public. You know, it's it's not—these aren't private Masses. These are public. They're open to the entire family of God. And I believe that that this is the way it's done in the synagogues as well. And of course, the church was born out of the synagogue, that there's no children's liturgy in a synagogue. Everyone is together. They're, they're experiencing the Word of God together. And yeah, we're all at different various levels of ages. Understand? And I'm not taking a shot at the idea of children's liturgy. It might very well be a good idea. But, but this idea that, yes, we all are at different levels at our, of our faith. We're, we're at different levels of maturity, different levels of understanding, but we're experiencing this together. It's, it's a little bit like kids at the dinner table. They sometimes hear conversation about topics that, that adults are, are very well versed in politics, the business world. Right? And they may not get everything that they hear, but they're experiencing it. They're picking up on things. And I, I think this is really important. Cardinal Collins, a great friend of the program, Cardinal Thomas Collins, he always says that the Catholic faith is more caught than taught. It's more caught than taught. It's not so much picked up by lessons of, of, of uh, exegetical uh, teaching in a, in a classroom. It, it's picked up by, by the ambiance, if you will, just being at Mass, hearing the Word proclaimed, uh, catching the faith in terms of how it's practiced in, 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 in the family and, and just the lived experience of, of life together in the church. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a catechism unto itself, for sure. So really appreciate that call, Teresa. Thanks for listening in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. All right, let's go to Michael in San Antonio. Hi, Michael. Hey, Kale. 
Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday to you, <laughs> and Happy New uh, Year. Yes, Happy New Year. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i the first of four. Uh, church was always a place for us to uh, to be quiet, being raised. When I had my own daughter, I, I spent a lot of time standing in the back of the church uh, mm. with her, and I was I was prepared to to leave if, if she was disruptive. But more recently, and, and she's in her 20s now, thank goodness, she outgrew the noisy thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I've observed uh, chapels across the country frequently being turned into gymnasiums. And, uh, mm. and, and I think that there's a combination of things going on in our culture right now. There's just friction uh, post-COVID of one out of five Catholics before are now one out of five of one out of five. So these are very mm. devout people. They, I think they really want uh, that, that uh, closeness to the Eucharist and to Christ. And, and, uh, and at the same time, we have younger generations having kids. And sometimes even uh, Asian families are very permissive with their children, letting them roam up and down the, the pews, handing them cell phones to keep them entertained. Um, and I just, you know, I think if you go into the chapels, that's something to be expected, kind of like the crying rooms were 30 years ago. You know, Michael, th- thanks for calling in from San Antonio. And, and I think people from different walks of life, uh, I don't know if you can pin a particular group on, on certain habits of how they deal with kids. There's lots of uh, families that do that. They'll try to maybe placate a child with, with a device, with a screen, for sure. Uh, some effort to try to try to keep the, the kid um, focused at some level, at least, or at least quiet. But one, one thing that your call made me think of was... You mentioned the post-COVID world, and one thing that happened to a lot of students in particular, a lot of young kids, is when they were taken out of school, when they were locked down, where they were forced to not socialize, if you will, a lot of kids, and let's face it, adults too, took, took a huge step back with their social skills, especially if they're at a really, really... Um, uh, you know, a crucial age for development, uh, those early grades, it can really, the social skills and teachers will say, like, you really notice a difference. They're just not developing as, as they should. And even one of my neighbors was telling me that his brother is in sales, runs a business, and he had a really hard time coming back from COVID. He said, I've lost all my people skills. I've lost all my social skills. I, I, I feel like I don't know how to interact with people. It's kind of an interesting thought. I, and it's something that, that often goes unnoticed in these types of, uh, of conversations. Thanks for the call, though, Michael. Appreciate that. 888 All right, let's go to Lupe in Chicago. Hi, Lupe. Hi, Kale. How are you? Thank you for Doing bringing well. this up. Um, I just wanted to say I go to the 7 a.m. mass. My son is half awake and half asleep when he's there. <laughs> wow. So he's, he's three, but um, we took him since he was born, and he's slowly learning how to behave during the Mass. So thank you. Um, it is hard as a parent because sometimes people around you get a little frustrated. But now I can see a lot more families bringing their children at that Mass. So. Mm. Uh, thank you. Well, Lupe, thank you. And, and number number one, I would say congratulations on on getting a three year old to a seven a.m. mass. That 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 is a pretty incredible accomplishment uh, as it is. And and I really really appreciate that call on your take, Lupe, in Chicago. Appreciate that. Let's go to Anna in San Bernardino, California. Hi, Anna. Hi, Kyle. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to yeah. you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Um, I was coming with regards to the children in mass, and and yes, it is difficult when they're they're small, they're two years old and newborns. But um, just wanted to share with my daughter. There was a priest that said 
told the parents at Mass, he said, if you fall in love with the Mass, your children will fall in love with the Mass. Mm-hmm. And so my daughter was having that with the same thing. She would sit in the back and she'd bring a backpack with crayons and everything to keep my grandkids busy. And then I told her, I said, you know what, what do you expect? They're in the back. All they see is the back of people. There's nothing there. They're going to get bored and they're not going to like it. They want to go play. So I told her, I said, you sit in the front row and you hmm. teach them. Let them see the priest. Let them see the altar servers, mm-hmm. um, the choir. Be a part of it and let them see the Eucharist. When they lift Jesus, that's Jesus. So I said, you start teaching them about the Mass and help them to understand it. And she started doing that. And actually, it was kind of cute. My granddaughter was three, and, and Father would love to see her because she'd come, and she she genuflect before she got in her pew. And um, she also started doing, there was a, a website, uh, I think it was catholicmoms.com, and she would print out the readings for them at their level. Interesting. And, yeah, things like that can, can can really help, Anna. And and I like the idea of having a ringside seat for the family in, in the front pew because I do think that that, that does help kids to, to get more into the action, to, to, to pay attention to what's going on at Mass and participate more. And, and it, it's true that if we don't understand what's going on at Mass, it is easy for kids to get bored. Uh, just like my wife gets bored watching football. She doesn't know all the rules, but I think it's really exciting. So this is it with the Mass. It's the most exciting thing that ever happens in a day on planet Earth. Jesus touches down on our altar. It's like a new Christmas every time you go to Mass. This this is amazing, supernatural stuff. But it's a matter of catechesis. If they understand what's happening, if they can participate and really know what's going on, they will grow to love it. And I do think they pick it up from the adults, the parents around them. Hey, thank you so much, everybody who called in. We are out of time for today. Come back tomorrow on The Kale Clark Show. Stay tuned. Training with Timory is up next on Relevant Radio. Miranda Sinicero is produced. Young Thomas took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.